on the sheets. All right. It is that time, so let's go ahead and begin. <clears throat> so this is week number two uh, of covering evangelism. And I would say that the, the full title of this class should be The Honor of Spreading the Gospel of Jesus Christ to the World. Um, and so last week we talked about the gift of evangelism and why we evangelize. And this week we are actually just going to focus solely on the actual gospel itself. Um, but before we get into it, what I want to do is let's go to the Lord in prayer. All right. Lord, we are so thankful to have this day. We are so thankful that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I just want to praise you for the opportunity and the honor of being able to teach this class. And I pray that, Lord, I will be faithful to you as I teach. Please just enable the Holy Spirit to move through me and to give me the words to say. I thank you for the stamina and, and for the time that I spent in preparation for this. And Lord, just please, may this be a blessing. Help us, Lord, to recognize that the goal here is for us as a body of believers and as individuals just to, to look and see the opportunities to share the gospel. Lord, the gospel is only useful, useful when we actually give it away. Help us, Lord, never to feel comfortable keeping it with inside of us and help us, Lord, to be able to overcome and to recognize the fear of man whenever we do share the gospel. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your awesome word and help us as we study it this morning. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. All right. Uh, I'm going to make the same request that I made last week, and that is if you are in the outer sections, if you could move to the middle section, only because it's so much easier to address everyone here instead of going from here to here. So if you would, I think we've got enough seats now, if you are coming in right now, um, we do have the, the uh, material that is over here on the chairs, so feel free to go ahead and grab one of the packets. It's pretty big um, because not only did I want to give you just sort of a rundown on what the five specifics... the five specifics that we typically um, would want to see with the gospel, but also I wanted to give you the verse references. Um, there's only 89 of them, and so it's, it's not all that many. Um, and we'll, so like I told my kids, we'll be going through every one of those this morning. Um, no, we won't be going through every one of those this morning because there's no way. Now, um, the first thing that you'll see on the sheet is I've given a breakout regarding the different classes that we will have for this course seminar this uh, quarter. And so, like I said, last week was the gift of evangelism. Why evangelism? And today is the gospel. Um, next week, what's our role in sharing the gospel? And this is looking at the difference between God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Um, some individuals believe that it is an individual who chooses to come to salvation. Um, but when we look at the scriptures, we recognize that it is through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, and it's the enabling of God that individuals end up coming to faith. All right? Um, 
And so we're going to look at what God does and how God is involved in um, bringing salvation to an individual and then what is our responsibility? What ultimately are we supposed to do? Because if there are some that they would consider to be like ultra-Calvinistic in nature that say, well, if God is responsible for everything, then there's no need for me to evangelize. Well, that's not true. And so um, the next one is, did Jesus talk about evangelism in the parables? And we'll look at some of the parables and see how Jesus actually is sort of referring to evangelism in these specific parables. And I think that, that this is the one that by the grace of God over the past year, as I was reading through the scriptures and meditating upon the word that I recognize that, oh my goodness, Jesus is really talking about evangelism in this parable. And so this is sort of a new lesson that I've put together. Um, then, uh, so what happened to you? The gospel and your testimony. February 5th, how to increase the laborers, discipling others in evangelism. Um, what if they reject me? Rejection, follow-up, and fear of man. But what if they ask, answering objections to the gospel? And that's really going to be the one that is focused on apologetics. Um, and then you'll notice that the next one, February 26th, that is highlighted and uh, um, italicized. I'm like going, I all of a sudden became aphasic. So, um, italicized, and the reason being is, is that that particular class, um, Lord willing, our family will be up in Utah, and so we won't be here that weekend, and so someone else will be teaching. Um, but then on March 5th, how do I share the gospel with family and coworkers? The 12th, how to share the gospel with uh, Catholics. And then 19th, how to share the gospel with Jews. And the 26th, the final one, how to share the gospel with Muslim. Now, um, one thing that I did not put in today's packet is my email. If you ever have a question, either approach me or go ahead and email me that particular question. And we'll go ahead and answer that in the next class. Okay? Your questions are vital. That is going to be one of the most important things is to go ahead and answer any questions that you have, all right? My family knows that I always get ultra excited when anyone has a God question. It's just like, oh yeah, all right, now we get to talk about the Word of God, so, all right. Yes? My email address so that you can write this down is doug seventy underscore seven at hotmail.com all right doug 70 underscore seven at hotmail.com and before you think that the 70 refers to the year i was born it does not it actually is talking about the 70 weeks of seven which is probably one of the prophecies uh that is in the book of daniel that i love because it, it actually gave a timeline to the Israelites for that coming Messiah. And to see how that is marched out is just absolutely incredible. Anyway, um, so, and if you email me, put in the subject, uh, evangelism class. That way, since I've got the filter and pretty much everything goes to junk mail unless I've gone ahead and saved your your email address just go ahead and put in their evangelism class and that will help me as i go into junk to to put in evangelism and that'll show every email okay all right so today we're going to talk about the gospel we're just going to go through and what is the vital parts of the gospel all right so let me start off. 
What do you think if you were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, what do you think you absolutely need to mention? God's character and our unworthiness. All right. No? You don't think we need to? No, because you see, in today's world, you see, 100 years ago, I would say, yeah, because many people had some biblical training. But in today's world, because of the internet and because of the relentless pursuit of the secularist saying there is no God, at the pointing out that there is a God, half the people see everything. Okay. So. We have, to, we have to go ahead and show, you think in the gospel message, we have to show that there is a God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise, right. if, they, if they don't believe there's a God, then why listen to anything else? Mm-hmm. Right? If that door isn't open, okay. then the space shut. All right. The, what else do you think would be vital? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You know what? That's one of those youth answers. <laughs> Whatever the question is from the youth teacher, just say, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, it is Jesus Christ. What about Jesus Christ? I mean, because he was a good person, right? What about Jesus Christ? Yeah, yes. The, the important acts within his life that bring about um, salvation for us, that bring about the opportunity for forgiveness, right? Not just the act, but do. The what? Not just the act, although we do, but also He's God. Yep, that's right. Because He is God, um, He is able to go ahead and overcome death. He's able to take the full wrath of God the Father for the sins that were placed upon him when he was on the cross. Because he is God, he is, was able to live that perfect life, but at the same time also was 100% human. And he had to be human. Why? Why did he have to be human? Perfect sacrifice. Explain that a little bit more. Because the blood of bulls and goats will not will only cover the sacrifice. It will not get rid of it. Right. He had to be human for the shedding of blood. He had to go ahead and not take away his glory, but, but ultimately he had to go ahead and step out of heaven into the earth and the only way he could do that was for him to be human and then by doing that he had to suffer the temptations he had to suffer the disappointment he had to suffer the consequences of all of the sinfulness within the world because he was human all right what else do you think is important? Yes, Chris. Well, Ten Commandments, because anyone that you try to share the gospel and it will confront their, their life and their sin, they will attempt to justify themselves and to boast of their goodness. And using mm -hmm. Ten Commandments will show them a mirror of their sin, mm -hmm. no matter how far you can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we'll see today. And that was one of the things that when I first became a believer in 1998, I, I got to say for the very first six years, every attempt at sharing the gospel was just so frustrating. I would tell them who Jesus Christ was. I would tell them why they needed a savior. But there was, they would literally look at me and say, well, that may be good for you, but that's not good for me. And it felt so frustrating. Like, and, and I'll be honest with you. One of the books that I would not recommend this day to uh, a fellow Christian was the book that actually began to change my life. And that was The uh, 40 Days of Purpose. 
Because in the 40 days of purpose, you go through and it, and he talks about the five things that Christians are required to do. You're to read the Bible. You're to pray. You're to fellowship. You're to attend church. And you're supposed to evangelize. And I remember going through the first four sections and going, hey, I'm a pretty good Christian. And then all of a sudden, I'm there sitting at the kitchen table and I'm reading about how I'm supposed to evangelize. And I got mad. I was mad with God. And I got so mad that I realized that I better get down and pray or else this was not going to go well for me. And I prayed and I said, Lord, if this is true, you need to do something. You need to show me something in your word that is like a trump card because no one sees a need for a savior except those who, who are, I, I just, I, Lord, what is it? What is it? And so at that moment, I, I started going to evangelism classes for the next 18 months. I started reading books on evangelism. I was doing everything that I could for the sake of finding how is it that we're supposed to evangelize? Where is the trump card that is in Scripture? And I can remember January 1st, 2004, I'm off for a jog. Yes, I used to jog at one time. Um, and I'm off for a jog, and I'm listening, and I'm hearing an interview with Kirk Cameron, and he's talking about all these projects he's involved in, but he's really excited about this one called The Way of the Master. And I'm like going, hmm, cool title. I like that. And then he talks about how it's on evangelism, and I've teamed up with Ray Comfort, who ended up rediscovering something from the scriptures that actually is the key in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden he talks about, and we don't, and that's not all. Because then we go to the streets and we actually talk to people. And you get to see those things that we've taught put into practice. And I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> well, this was on TBS and we didn't have TBS at our house. And so it was like finding someone who not only had TBS, but then finding someone who would record it and put it on a VHS. And for you, those who are young who don't know VHS, it was this big thing about this big instead of a CD or a DVD. And, and so it took four months. It wasn't until the first week of April I finally got that VHS and I put in and I remember my, my mom was visiting, and we sat down and we watched it, and it was like, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I was like, this is it. And the first time that I used the law, it was like night and day different. That individual that I was talking to, all of a sudden, they were like going, oh my goodness, yes, I am scared. I'm scared that if I died tonight because of my sin and all of my sins against God and his holy commandments, that I deserve hell. How wonderful is it to hear that? And so that just changed everything for me. So yes, in regards to the Ten Commandments, I think it's vital. I think it is. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. When Jesus told the, um, Peter and Andrew, I will make you fishers of men, when you go fishing, do you always use the same bait? No. You got you to gotta think about who it is that you're trying to fish towards, you know? You've got to look at the situation. There are times when... That one-in-one -one encounter is going to be the best thing. There are times when you need an open-air preacher to be proclaiming the word. And there are times when you need to 
bring the apologetics and there are other times when you just need to deep dive into the scriptures and to take them through the scriptures it's going to be different and that's the wonderful part of it is that it's never it never sharing the gospel never gets old it's just getting to that point when you are sharing it that's the key all right so let's get in today's lesson and what we have here i've got five different sections all right these are the sections that i believe from scripture that can and should be included when you are sharing the gospel all right first one is god and his creation because we know that there is a god in fact does everyone know that there is a god yes whether or not they're willing to admit it they know that there is a god they cannot look at creation and the power that is present in creation and not recognize that there is a god there is a god and we look at his creation the second thing is man and his sinfulness and the reason why we look at man is because let's be honest when we look at creation, what is the greatest thing within creation? Humanity. Why? Because that was the one part of creation that was made in the image of God. A quality that is not present in anything else. All right? The next one. The penalty of man's sin. All right? So we look at the penalty. That as as i've heard individuals say is like i've heard all my life that there is the good news oh my goodness i didn't realize that there was also the bad news and that is that is one of the keys here is you need to bring the bad news so that they will see the need for a savior and then salvation and it's salvation that is from God through God. Meaning that only he can give you salvation and correct the relationship that has been broken because of your sinfulness. And then, miraculously, it is through God, meaning that Jesus Christ himself is the one who came. And then the last one, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. All right, so let's go through, and we're going to read through this and go through some of these scriptures. All right, so the first thing that I, I recommend when you are sharing the gospel is make sure that you sort of teach and you train the individual about the greatness of God. Because they, most individuals, claim their own goodness right? But, but, God is not just good. He's great. In fact, he's not just great. He's set apart, which means that he is holy. He's holy. He's holy. If you take all of his characteristics, the umbrella that goes over all of those characteristics, is holiness his holiness means that each one of these characteristics for the most part are his alone he is the originator every one of these righteous characteristics this is the perfect example of those in play all right so we begin, God is, number one, eternal. In Psalms 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So God is eternal. God is a being who is perfect. A person who is perfect, right? And then we see in Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, The rock, his work is perfect. 
and we're not talking about Dwayne Rock Johnson when we say that, um, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So he's not only perfect, but then he is great. All right, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. One of my favorite scriptures. Therefore, God, and this is after Christ has submitted himself. He has basically put himself in the place of going to death, even though he was perfect. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you guys ever, when you are praying, and when you get to that point within the Lord's Prayer, where it says, you know, hallowed or holy is my name do you ever take a moment and think to this moment how incredible will it be that everyone and that includes adolf hitler that includes mother Teresa. mother Teresa. everyone is going to all of a sudden see christ on his throne and they are all going to Go to their knees and worship and bow. How wonderful will that moment be? I look forward to that moment. This morning, as I was praying, I was going to that moment and saying, Lord, I cannot wait for that moment. Please, please. I hope it happens today. All right, so eternal, perfect, great, he is self-existent, all right? So we look at Revelations 1.8, and it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We recognize, and this is one of the things, is that you will, when you share the gospel, there is a strong chance that you'll run into someone that is going to say, well, Jesus Christ isn't God. And what you can do is point them to this verse and say, wait a second. He is the I am. He said that, and we get that recorded in the Gospel of John, where he says, I am the I am, meaning that I am the God that, was, that told Moses to go ahead and reveal that he was being sent by the I am. And that is recognized in his eternality. The fact that he never was created. We are created. Everything that we see was created. There is a lot of things that is invisible, like the angels and the laws of nature that are invisible. They were all created. The one and only thing that is self-existent is God himself in the three-person triunity. All right. So, next one. Immutable. What does immutable mean? Never changing. All right. One of the worst qualities that I have as, or that I think of as a father is the fact that I will say we are going to do something and then we don't do it. God never does that. God never has the disappointment of his children because he always does what he promises to do. When he told the nation of Israel that he would bring them into a promised land, he did that. And to think what he did to accomplish that was incredible because he, he brought or helped bring the plagues upon uh, the Egyptians, and then delivered them through the Red Sea and was there giving them the law and being a fire by night and a cloud by day that led them and then brought them into the land where they already, 
even though they never built anything, even though they never planted anything, they had homes and gardens, and it was wonderful. He fulfilled that promise perfectly. So we see immutable. We see righteous and truthful. We see the three omnis, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, right? Let's look at Hebrews 4.13. All right? When we are talking about omniscient, and this is like if you are ever down on Fremont Street experience, what is the big attraction down there? Hmm? What? No, you could get gambling anywhere in Vegas. Go to Vons, you could gamble, right? The what? The giant screen. I remember years ago, like in 2005, when all of a sudden that giant screen was there. And all of a sudden it gave a wonderful opportunity to sort of reveal the omniscience of God. Because I would look at the individual and I'd say, let me ask you something. How would you feel if all of a sudden we could take a microphone that would just be sort of attached and record everything you say this next week? And then we put a little chip in your brain and it actually reads and, and transcribes every thought that you have. How comfortable would you be next week if we all of a sudden came up and showed the life of you would you be willing to sit there and watch people look into the depths of your life would you feel comfortable with that at all or would you go running because you did not want people to see how wicked you are and every one of them is like going never i never want to do that why it's because in the center of our lives, even though as believers we still sin, right? We still sin. But this is the way of helping an individual to see that God sees and knows all. He knows every thought. He hears every word. He then will bring that to us on the day of judgment. All right. We see that He is faithful that he is creator sustainer and lawgiver and judge god created everything that is material and immaterial god created the heavens and stars planets and earth we see that in psalms 19:1. god also created the laws of nature gravity relativity gender and gestation as well as revealed what is righteous and true. All right. Let's take a look at uh, Psalm 86.11. 86.11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. What a wonderful thing it is when we have that true fear when we recognize the truths of God. And only a believer can know the truths of God. All right? There are a lot of things that God created, but the greatest creation was humanity, who He created in His own image. We see that in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Not only does this verse recognize that we were made separate from all of creation, but then it gives a responsibility and an authority to us as humans Overall creation. We have a responsibility of taking care of creation. All right. Then we see 
that this means that we have special abilities that no other living creature has, like creativity, justice, love, abstract thought, and language. Is there any other part of creation that has these things? No. And some people would say, I remember one time uh, teaching this in the youth, and all of a sudden someone said, well, dogs are super smart. And I was like, yeah, they can be, and they are, but dogs have never created a language to where they're able to communicate their feelings. Dogs have never created a house. You have to build them a dog house. They have never um, basically said, you know, gone up to one of the neighborhood dogs and said, hey, dude, you're going to be going to jail if you keep on barking the way you're barking. Never do that. That never happens. We're the ones who have dominion and are responsible for overseeing them. They're a part of creation. So we've revealed who God is and who humanity is. Now we need to look at man and his sinfulness. So man was created in the image of God. When God created everything before he created humanity, God said that his creation was good. We see that in Genesis 1, 10, 12, 18, 25, and 31. For the first five days of creation, God ends those days and said, it's good. But when he gets to that final day, all right, that sixth day, and after he has created humanity, he says that it is very good. Very good. So he separates humanity from all other creation. And because everything was good, Adam and Eve got to be with God, to walk with him, and everything was perfect. But the devil tempted Adam and Eve to disobey the one command given to them by God. They took the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We see in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. And when this was done, the first sin occurred and humanity could no longer be in the presence of God. Romans 5, 12. And let's read that. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all because all sinned. That's a good verse to go ahead and quote. If you ever have, if you ever are talking to, say, like a Mormon, because within the Mormon church, one of the teachings that they have is that when a child is born, they're pure. They're pure. And I can remember having a uh, discussion with a parent when they were making this particular statement, and I said, well, here's my question. If it is from sin that there is death, then how is it that a baby who is born can die? There is a sin nature that has come through Adam and that taints every one of humanity. The only one who was untainted by that was Jesus Christ because he was born of the Holy Spirit. The sin was not passed to him like it is passed to all of us. All right. So then we look. When this was done, the first sin occurred and humanity could no longer be in the presence of God. Even though Adam and Eve did not physically die, what type of death did they have? Spiritual. The spirit that connected them, that enabled the Holy Spirit to go ahead and help them to see their connection to God, that spirit was gone. It was dead. Could no longer, uh, even though Adam and Eve did not physically die, they both died spiritually and now would face physical death in time. The curse of sin was passed on from Adam and Eve to every child that has been conceived. We see that in uh, Psalms 51.5. Or King David, he ends up saying, you know, from my, my mother, I came in sin, not sin, but how does he put it? 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. All right. You have the same curse of sin within yourself, which shows that you are not a child of God, but instead, and this is the hard part, a child of the devil. 1 John 3.10 By this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. All right? If you love righteousness, you love God. If you love God, you love your brother. How is the Ten Commandments summed up? Love the God, love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. All right. This applies to me just as much as it applies to every other human. To understand your own sin, you must look at your life against God's perfect law, the Ten Commandments. Now, we know the Ten Commandments, and we could even get into going ahead and how we can present each of those commandments because there, there's a lot of interesting ways on presenting them and revealing the depths of them, all right? Um, but we won't take that time right now. So let's go ahead and look. So at the end here, it says, um, the penalty of man's sin. This is number three. You would be mistaken if you thought the only penalty of sin is that someday you will die. There is a far greater penalty, and that is to not be reunited with God in eternity. All right. Hebrews 10, 26 through 27 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. People need to understand that they are adversaries to the God that created them. People need to understand that they are on the opposite side of the battlefield because of their sinfulness and their, the fact that they have not been made into a new creation. Squirt. So, here comes the, the bad news. Just as Adam and Eve were able to be with God face to face before they sinned, our sinfulness keeps us from spending an eternity with God. But we are like Adam and Eve, and we have the stain of sin upon our lives. Only when Adam and Eve were without sin were they able to be with God face to face. This becomes our greatest problem. Because the only way for all our sin to be removed is for us to face the righteous justice of God's wrath or for someone to face God's wrath for us. All right? Then let's go ahead and look at... I thought I had that one marked. Where is Romans? Did I? I may have gone too far. No. Sorry. Oh, Ezekiel 25, 17. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. And this is probably one of the hardest things to think about. But when God actually shows his wrath towards those who are opposed to him, that is going to be one of the moments that we will have a greater understanding of the greatness of God. And that there will, what does it say will happen with creation when God does this, when he brings his wrath against? What does it say? Huh? He's going to burn it up, but he says that it will, 
it is going to be joyful because what has caused the sin and caused it per, uh, creation to no longer be perfect, those who are carrying the sin will be removed and creation will be, oh, finally, we're back to where we were at the beginning of creation. And that will be a great thing. Oftentimes when I hear people say, you know what, for a family member or for a close friend, I have no joy in thinking about them going to the wrath. And yeah, we do. As human beings, we have no joy in that. But in that moment, we will praise the Lord as well because we will fully recognize how glorious God is in the midst of him giving his wrath. All right. Just as we would want God to show his wrath upon the sin of a rapist or murderer, we must admit that our sinfulness means we deserve the wrath of a holy God. Oftentimes, I have had encounters where individuals are just angry angry. I had one gentleman that, I mean, he spent 45 minutes telling me that if you say that God is going to send people to hell, I'm going to smack you right here. I'm going to smack you. And he was like 6'2", 6'3". He was a pretty decent sized dude. And so I, I took his threat seriously, but I kept on saying it <laughs> because it's the truth. And ultimately what happened was by the grace of God, all of a sudden, I ran into that guy about six months later, and his girlfriend, who had desperately tried for the hour and 15 minutes that we were talking, she kept on trying to pull him away. Hey, we're supposed to be meeting friends. Hey, we're supposed to be meeting. And he just kept standing there talking to me. And I kept on telling him that this is what happens. And I would say to him, listen, is this your girlfriend? Yes, this is my girlfriend. I said, if someone were to rape her, would it be okay if no justice, if they just got to go through life and there is no punishment? And he's like, absolutely not. And I said, in that case, why are you okay with us sinning against God and not to be a hell? And it was interesting because that six months later, all of a sudden, he was looking at me as I was sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, once I got done, he came up and he was like going, dude, you remember me? I was like, yeah, Matthew, how are you doing? How's architecture school going at UNLV? How are things going? And we just talked. But the key was his girlfriend came up and she said, do you know that after you talked to him about a week later, he changed. He was totally different. He wanted to go to church. He wanted to do, I mean, he got a Bible out and started reading it. And we have been down here on Fremont Street probably at least six times looking for you. You need to get out here more frequently. We could avoid all these trips. And it was like going, praise the Lord. Sometimes we've got to reveal things to individuals that they don't want to hear and goes totally against their worldview. But thou, those are the things that God sometimes will use to bring them to faith. All right. So, we now know the bad news. Now it's time for the good news. Salvation from God and through God. God has been planning how He would help humanity from before time was created. All right. We look at Ephesians 1.4. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Ah, what a beautiful thing. God told Adam and Eve that He would provide someone who would have the ability to defeat sin and the devil. We see that in Genesis 3, 14 through 15 and 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God then said that this human would also be God, Emmanuel, 
meaning the hypostatic union. All right? Fully God, fully man. All right? And the person of humanity would come through the Jewish nation, you see in Zechariah 9.9, be a descendant of King David, be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, able to perform miracles and give back to people their sight, hearing, and ability to speak and even raise them from the dead or new life. Psalm 49.3, Matthew 9.35. Eventually, this man would die a horrific death that was meant for a great sinner. Isaiah 53.12 and 1 Peter 3.18. This man would be both fully God and fully man. Isaiah 9, 6. And you know what? This morning as I was going through this, all of a sudden I read that scripture and I, I wondered what the prophet Isaiah was... Because, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that is giving him the prophecies. And he's writing these down. And all of a sudden he knows that God is holy he knows that god is so far out there that he is spirit and he knows that he is all of those characteristics that we said but listen to this for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god at that moment, he probably dropped his pen and said, wait, how is God going to be a child that is born? But that's what he's saying. He's saying this incredible thing is going to happen where God is going to step into the world. I wish I could have been there at that moment to see him go, <gasps> That's how it's going to happen. That's how we are finally going to be reunited with the Lord. It's because He's coming into the world to save us. All right. Let's go ahead. We've got to finish up here. <sighs> he would live a life without sin, 1 Peter 2.22. But as a man, he could be tempted. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and Hebrews 4, 15. And then die so that he could face the wrath of God the Father for the sins of his people. This is what happened just over 2,000 years ago. Jesus, the son of Mary, a direct descendant of King David, was born to a virgin who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived a life without sin even though he was tempted just like Adam and Eve. Jesus preached to humanity that he was the way, the truth, the light, and no person could get to the Father except through him. Jesus even prophesied his own death and that after three days he would rise, would arise from the grave, not only showing that he was God, but that death no longer had power over those save through Jesus Christ. During his death, Jesus was able to take the wrath of God that was meant for sinners so that on the day of judgment, when we face a holy God, the Father, Jesus will say on our behalf that because of his death on the cross, Jesus was able to pay the price for each sin for those who are saved. Wow. Have you ever had those moments that when you're typing something, that all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, that is such a weighty and a glorious thing. One of the greatest things about evangelism is that you are proclaiming the greatest thing to ever happen. That's exciting. Why do you think when you are sharing the gospel that all of a sudden you are filled with joy it's because you are delighting in that wonderful message all right repent and believe in jesus christ when an individual is changed by the holy spirit 
they will receive a new heart and mind. And with those two things will come a recognition of their sinfulness and that they deserve to receive the wrath of God in hell. Then this new believer will respond through repentance of their sin and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Mark 1.15, Acts 2.38, Luke 13.3, and Mark 16.16. 16. To repent, we must receive God, godly sorrow from the Holy Spirit to recognize our sinfulness. 2 Corinthians 7.10 And I was going to read that one. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And I always struggled with this verse. For years, years I struggled with this verse, specifically without regret. And I, I remember for years praying to the Lord, Lord, what does that mean, without regret? And it wasn't until I was sharing the gospel with the individual that introduced um, me to Jen. Art was uh, an individual that when I first met him, he believed in aliens, he believed that there was no God, he believed all kinds of things. And he came to me when we were together on a vacation, it was the four of us, and all of a sudden he came to me and he said, Doug, I know now that there is a God. And I know that Jesus Christ is moving in your life. I see what he's doing. He says, but I can't give up my alcohol. I can't give up my pornography. I can't give up those things of the world. And all of a sudden, it was like the Holy Spirit said, bing. <gasps> I said, but here's the beauty is that when you all of a sudden are born again, you all of a sudden are changed. You're a new person. And so those things that you used to love, you don't regret giving up. You have no regrets. And you no longer have just worldly sorrow where you just want to keep people from knowing the evil that you do. Now you show, you reveal to God and to others your sinfulness and you seek after the lord you go to him in repentance if you're a believer you are going to the lord when you sin you're trying to bring it out in the light because only when sin is hidden that's the only time the devil can use it and try to tear you further and further away from god so, all right. Also, when we repent, we no longer have the same relationship with sin because we no longer desire to sin. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And when we do sin, we go to God and repent repeatedly until we are finally with God after death. You will never stop repenting until you die. Because when you're dead, you can't sin <laughs> amen also we no longer place any faith in our ability to please god regarding our sin instead we place our entire faith in the work and perfection of jesus christ we no longer must feel the defeat of our sinfulness but instead embrace the wondrous perfection and love for our savior jesus christ all right so how do we apply this? How do we apply this? You can do one of two ways. You can either read this and keep reading it over and over and over and over again and allow that just to become ingrained in your life so that when you are in that moment and the fear is getting the best of you, you will be able to recount these truths and be able to speak them. Or you could do your own. You could take, and like your assignment that you had last week, write down a two-minute gospel pr presentation. Or, and then you write it down yourself. 
figure out which verses that you want to go ahead and point out that takes that, that comment, to take that thing that you said and show what is the scriptural reference that proves that. One or the other. Here's the thing. You just got to do something. You just got to do something. Because there are so many countless opportunities to share the gospel. And the only way that you will be good at doing this consistently is if you're practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. All right? That's it. That's the gospel. And that's how you get better at sharing it. Practice. All right? So it's all on you now. No, I'm joking. All right, let's go.